This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to podcast episode 308 of Get Paid for Your Pad. This is going to be a very special episode. We have a very well-known person on the show today, Simon Lehman. He has done a lot of things in the short-term rental space, and I looked at his LinkedIn. There's so many items, I don't have time to go through all of them. But he is the CEO, co-founder of AGL Consulting, a boutique consulting firm with the focus on private accommodation in and the vacation rental industry. He's also been on the board of BookingPal, HomeAway. He's the co-founder, chairman of Facasa, and he also was the CEO of a very large vacation rental company called Interhome with over 32,000 apartments. So very, very large. So I'm super excited to have Simon on the show. So Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jasper. And it's fantastic to be here today. And thank you for asking us to uh, contribute to this uh, podcast. Absolutely. And we have a lot to talk about, but the main topic of today is going to be, as we're going into a new decade, I would love to look back on the past decade, what's happened in the short-term rental space, what were the major trends, and also look to the future, what's going to happen in 2020, what are your expectations uh, for next year, but also for the, for the next decade. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting. There's lots of stuff to talk about. And Simon, you're also going to join us in Colombia in January at the next uh, short-term rental legends event, which I'm super excited uh, about that you're going to be attending us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we want to start off with that, I think what you and Eric are doing for the industry is absolutely priceless. These type of events, and especially if it's very exclusive and, and, and very selective and really getting the masterminds together of this industry and discussing challenges and finding solutions, I find that format extremely attractive. And I feel very honored uh, to have been invited to come and join and and provide you know, insights and, and know-how to the group and discuss challenges and how we can uh, overcome these challenges in our industry. So I'm really excited about this. Awesome. I'm, I'm super excited as well. It's going to be a really good time in Cartagena in, uh, in January. And by the way, we have a few seats left. Uh, in case you're interested, uh, just email me at jesper.getpaidforyourpad.com or check out the website at uh, strlegends.com. But let's talk about the short-term rental business and what has happened in the last decade. Now, for me personally, I started hosting in 2012. So in my mind, it was just, it was Airbnb. It was all Airbnb. Um, but of of course, the, the home sharing business has existed for a very, very long time. And Simon, you are somebody who's been involved in the short-term rental and vacation rental business for way before Airbnb even came to the, um, <laughs> to the world. Yes. And so I would love to ask you first, like, what, what has changed since Airbnb came on the stage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, digging back, I've, I've entered this incredible space in 2005. 
uh, more on the vacation rental side. So let's call it more the leisure side. So we differentiate between short-term rental, which being all more focused on on urban rental versus versus vacation rental. And, and as you pointed out correctly, I mean, this industry has been around longer than hotels even. And, you know, I always say when, when I do my uh, speeches around the industry is that, you know, this... I always say we have already shared cages, uh, caves with us when we were hunting for mammoth and the weather was bad. And, you know, we dug in, uh, in, in a cave of a friend and, and, and we shared our caves uh, while hunting thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. So it's, it's actually nothing new. I also say that, you know, sharing economy is nothing new. We knew we, it was just sort of reinvented and, and, and reused or abused as a terminology that we have always shared and, and, and therefore... And the interesting piece is, you know, when you look at hospitality, it's even older than the, hospita- the traditional hospitality industry. So, number one. Number two, I always say, you know, Brian Chesky has not innovated this industry. He has just created a platform and created, let's say, a new new vertical for the industry. But uh, it's been around a lot longer. There's, you know, for example, the company that I used to work for was founded in 1965 out of London, renting Swiss ski chalets to the London banking world. So therefore, you know, it's been there and, and it always enjoyed a very, let's say not a very good reputation. It was sort of considered Tupperware or even secondhand car dealer type of industry. The, the, the apartments were not nice. The properties were not nice, but it was convenient. It was advertised in newspapers and no, local newspapers. So distribution was a challenge and there were still printed thousands and thousands of catalogs uh, which were distributed through the through the high street retail and the travel retail to actually attract customers and people so therefore the type of customers that were attracted by the product were different than what they are today the distribution was done in a totally different way it was entirely offline as well so there were a few marketplaces and interesting enough 2005 when homeaway was founded basic 2005 2006 it started with bringing a classified business online. So basically, HomeAway had the strategy of acquiring classified online businesses where you were able to advertise your, your home or your apartment uh, through classifieds. You paid your advertising fee and then they generated traffic for you. But obviously, it was not instant bookable. Everything was on request. The calendars were not up to date, the, the stuff was not available, the, the host did not respond to requests. And, and interesting enough, we're talking about the future and what needs to be done. I think it's still a, it's still a challenge. Uh, interesting enough, even 10 years later, where you know the, the content was being uh, consolidated, put online, uh, made available to the consumer. You know, Booking.com started in 2008. We were the first property management company basically in the world to integrate with our product vacation rental to booking.com which was an interesting step for them to actually make a total different type of content available so i think a lot of things have uh, changed in the last 10 years and it was unprofessional it was it was hard to find your supply it was hard to find your guests it was clumsy it was offline there was a lot of phone conversations there was a lot of paperwork involved we had to have our contract signed physically. We had to renew them every year with the homeowners. And yes, we, it, it was basically the start of a new travel vertical, a new hospitality vertical. And interesting enough, we still have a lot of work to do. 
So you're saying Airbnb is really just another vertical in, in, a, in an existing market, right? But I still feel like a lot of Airbnb has achieved a lot and a lot has changed because Airbnb came on the scene. So what would you say is, is, is Airbnb's major achievement? <laughs> That's an interesting one. Now we can, we can say, is it positive or is it negative? You know, I think for me as a, as an old fashioned vacation rental guy or, you know, a, a, a leisure rental guy, you know, I think what Airbnb has achieved is sort of become the acronym to our industry. And I don't think this is super positive to be perfectly honest, because at the end of the day, it's the host, it's the, the management company that provides the service and, and provides the guest experience and make sure properties are clean and are available and, 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 and are getting good reviews. And Airbnb is a marketplace. And Airbnb has managed with its huge brand value and building a massive brand in this vertical to be, become the acronym. So basically, I have friends and family who go and, and rent a property, even if it's leisure in summer, and, and they come back and say, hey, we did an Airbnb this year. But uh, they didn't even book it on Airbnb, nor did they they find it there. They they just said, you know, we're renting a place, so we did an Airbnb, and this has just become the Kleenex of our industry. And uh, this is very much debatable if if that is the right thing for us to happen. So I think it's important that we keep that in mind. But having said that, obviously Airbnb created a an incredible marketplace and created an incredible industry, and has probably created more entrepreneurs than pretty much any other online platform, maybe with, with Uber or Lyft in comparison. Airbnb has created a, a massive marketplace and has created a lot of entrepreneurs who all of a sudden had the opportunity to create an income which was not there before and renting out apartments, even if it was part-time or only for a couple of weeks or a couple of months a year. It created a massive marketplace and, and therefore created a lot of businesses. Therefore, it created, it made tourism uh, more available as well to a different generation versus hotels. It, it was uh, in a lot of cases cheaper than Airbnb allowed, you know, to really have the local experience, which was something that Airbnb was always very, you know, was, were, they were always extremely keen on communicating this experience piece and allowing to live like a local and, and make these experience. And I think Airbnb has done that. So it's created additional tourism. It's created entrepreneurship. It's created additional businesses. And, and it definitely added a lot of value to the overall, you know, tourism industry and therefore turnover and uh, gross revenue. So I think they have done a lot of things right, but what, what I said before is that it, it, it has been around before, comparing it with HomeAway and, 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 and other platforms, especially HomeAway, which was more focused on leisure and urban took off just even faster. So I think, uh, yes, uh, Airbnb has done an amazing job in a, in a super short period of time. They addressed uh, you know, a, a sweet spot from an investment standpoint, so that therefore they were able to raise a lot of capital very, very quickly. And, and the capital that they raised, they've been able to put to work in building the brand and building the product. And uh, that has allowed them this, uh, this incredible uh, growth and therefore valuation that is currently out there. So let's turn the question around. Imagine if Airbnb wasn't founded, if Airbnb didn't exist. What do you think the short-term rental space would look like now if Airbnb hadn't come to the, to the scene? Well, you know, at the end of the day, it would have evolved regardless. I think, I think for me, the pace we're coming from 2005, for us at the time, 
the real pacemaker was HomeAway. There's no question. They were the first ones to consolidate to buy 22 companies, raising capital. They probably raised the biggest ever check in that industry at 500 million when they acquired VRBO. So that was really the pacemaker for us as property managers who have been in the industry for a long time to have a different platform. First, we saw it as a, as a threat and then it became an opportunity. At the same time, you know, Booking.com was very, very early to say, you know, this is a travel vertical we would like to make available to our travelers versus hotels. So they went into that space as well. I think it wouldn't have probably grown as quickly as it has, but ultimately we would have had somewhat similar results. I mean, you know, I had lobbying groups in Paris eight years ago uh, where Airbnb didn't even come to the table for us to, to work with because we saw, you know, the more it was a, a conversation in terms of regulations and how does it impact the local communities and how does it impact, you know, local living, like apartment prices and things like that. I mean, we have worked, very hard on that and I think from where we come from Airbnb has accelerated that but ultimately the space was already there. Interesting very interesting what do you think the major trends that are happening now and are those trends are going to continue in the next decade? I mean one thing we we also need to need to mention here in terms of, of what has Airbnb done I mean in terms of growth Airbnb has let the vertical grow exponentially. There's, there's no question on a global basis. So it became a standard product. You can rent out your, your apartment, is in secondary or primary home, and it, it has created continuous demand and supply. So supply growth was really accelerated by Airbnb. And now when we look at data and see you know, how many Property managers, for example, in Europe are out there that have less than 20 properties, it's six and a half thousand. And this is to the number that I've, or to the development I've mentioned before, it's created a lot of entrepreneurs, it's created a lot of businesses. And I think that's absolutely tremendous. And now what is going to happen? And everybody realizes, you know, managing one unit is maybe easier than managing 20. And, and all of a sudden you get to a critical point where it's becoming a challenge. You know, you have guest demand, you have late check-ins, you have late arrivals, you have damages, you have all sorts of challenges you deal with, with, with guests. And when you, you know, when you run 20 properties, I think it will be very hard to still run a day job and, and run 20 properties on the side. So I think what I'm predicting is a lot of that supply that Airbnb has generated over the years will become more professionally managed inventory. So I think we will see the long tail of, you know, hosts going down and more units will be going to be professionally managed by larger property managers. That's something... I definitely see coming very quickly. You know, we I have a lot of conversation with companies or people who have reached 20 to 50 properties and then it's sort of make or break. You know, either I'm going to get rid of it because it's just becoming so challenging and, you know, I'm going to pass this on to a more professional property manager who's doing that with three, four, five people and have, have several hundred units or I want to grow that myself and really make a, a, a business out of it. So I think we will see some fundamental changes in terms of, I don't think the long tail will ultimately grow a lot more. I think we will see more professionally managed inventory out there over time. So basically you're saying that fewer people are going to manage a larger percentage of the total inventory. Correct. Yeah. 
And so let's think about what does that mean for people that are listening, either people that are thinking about you know, maybe starting their own management company, people that already have a, a small or larger management company. What does that mean to them and what should they focus on to take advantage of this trend or at least you know, to keep their business and not be pushed out? No, absolutely. I think, first of all, what I need to want to mention here, it, it's in, when I look at some of the numbers of these companies, it's actually an incredible, interesting industry. And it's an industry where you can really, you know, you can make a good living and you can make a good income with obviously good quality uh, units with, with high occupation. And, you know, I think before we go deeper on that conversation, we also need to separate who is renting out a primary home while on vacation having three weeks availability for me that's not a professional uh, managed business right so and when we look at the numbers you know airbnb started with you know sharing an air mattress hence the name by brian and his and his mates and and then he was sort of you know couch you know couch sharing and and that if you look at the overall inventory today it's it's, it's far away from that i mean i think it's less than 10% of the total supply is actually shared rooms and the rest are single units where people uh, are on their own. And I think this is what the customer is looking for. I think we have very few who still want to be in a place where, where the host is still present and, and things like that. So we have to change sort of the approach of what does the consumer really want? He wants to have peace and quiet and safety and, and, and be on his own. So that has, has, has had impact uh, on, on the type of inventory. Second for me is availability and bookability. So, you know, this is something where you can see, see quite substantial differences between the, the booking.com supply versus the Airbnb supply, where, you know, they always talk about the number of listings that they have on their platforms. I'm always doing the same. But for me, the number of listings that are on platforms are totally irrelevant. What's relevant is what is bookable instant, number one. And, and number two, you know, what's the average availability of a unit? If it's only two weeks available and you're counting that as one single unit, um, for me, it's like, it's a, it's a 50th or a 25th of an entire year that a, that a property is available. So therefore, it has less quality when it comes to inventory. So going to your question, I think, you know, this is something that a, that a professionally, you know, smaller property manager needs to, th needs to think about having good quality inventory, bookable, maximum availability in good locations. And not every Airbnb property or let's say short-term rental properties is delivering the same uh, unit economics, depending on location, depending on season, depending on size and, and everything else. And I think that's another trend we're going to see is that, that there's going to be a bigger fight for better quality inventory versus less, because as we know, bad reviews don't perform. So you, you're really challenged by having good inventory. So that's one thing that, that a host needs to definitely look at, you know, good quality inventory with all the aspects that I've just mentioned. Then second, you know, when is the right moment to, to actually scale and, and, and become a real entrepreneur? We're seeing small pre-PMs who run, you know, 20 to 50 properties on their own. And this is, is incredible. And they want to keep the cost low. So they want to do everything on their own. It's a 24-7 job. Uh, maybe they have a good income, but there's no vacation. There is no relief time. And we're amazed by, you know, some of these companies where we say, hey, maybe adding one or two people to it, you can scale faster, even though you might have a, a, an immediate impact on cost. But if you can provide better service and you can focus more on supply and, and get more supply, then you need to 
maybe also invest not just in technology, we will probably talk about this, but also into manpower because it's still, you know, it's still a people's business. I think the computer and, and all the technologies that we're using are not going to replace the human factor of this industry. And that's, I think, one of the big pieces that we like about this industry. We're interacting with guests and hosts and everything else. It's a people's business. And, and that's still a key asset. And therefore, smaller companies are sort of reluctant to add costs because they feel they, uh, you know, they're not going to make the same amount of money. But actually, it's easier to grow if you don't. The larger ones, they really need to think, you know, does it make sense? If all the key performance indicators that I've mentioned before in terms of availability, location, ADR, what, what is your, your cost or let's say your unit economic, I think that's another piece where people need to really focus on, on a unit level. What is a unit worth to me and what is it delivering to me in terms of real contribution at the end of the day? I'm amazed how few people really go deep down and making cost allocation to a unit level to say, you know, this unit is bringing me X amount. So people are not selective enough in what they're onboarding, even though that if they would do a full cost analysis, they would realize that a certain property is actually not profitable. So that's a, that's a piece for the larger ones to really consider and, and, and having the maths right and understanding what is a unit economic per unit on a monthly and therefore annual basis, seasonal basis and everything else. And then the next piece is obviously, do I want to grow? And how do I do that? Do I have capital? Can I grow contracts? Can I buy, you know, a smaller one and, and just buy contracts? You obviously don't need to do buy a company or share deals. You can actually but do asset deals. You can you can look uh, and I think there's a lot of companies who will probably be willing to pass on their contracts for you know for a certain amount of money depending on on how much uh, gross booking value the, the the unit performs. But I think. So acquisition is definitely a way of, of growth. And then the, these are the other ones who have grown to a meaningful size. Do I want to get out of this? Do I want to do something different? Do I want to sell my business? And I think currently the market is, is you know, still consolidating, even though that I don't believe that the market will meaningfully consolidate over the years. The, the industry will remain hyper, hyper local because that's where the know-how is. That's where the assets are. That's where the relationships are, the service providers, as well as the to owners and, and therefore hosts, I think it's still remaining a hyper-local business and will do so in the future, even though you have big companies like Avacos or like Anoyo and others at ways in Europe who are now you know, acquiring a lot of businesses. And at the same time, it's, it's definitely an interesting time to sort of check out the market and see, hey, what is my business worth? And, and maybe I get more for it because I've, I've managed it well and I can think about selling it as well. Did you know that Hostly just released its third annual vacation rental industry study? And it was their biggest report to date. Hostly gathered data from over 220 vacation rental professionals about trends and the growing complexity facing our industry. The data overwhelmingly shows that managers need to become more sophisticated in how they solve different problems in their business. This is because the degree of competition is increasing, the number and types of software solutions are also increasing, and guest expectations continue to change. What were the biggest pain points facing vacation rental managers last year? What are the most popular software tools managers are using? Did you know that 96% of vacation rental managers plan to grow their business next year? How are they going to achieve this growth? For these answers and so much more, download the report today to get actionable insights to improve your business as we enter 2020. Head to hostfully.com slash 2019 report, all one word, 
to download your free copy today. So that's hostfully.com forward slash 2019 in numbers and then report to one word to download your free copy today. Okay, so that was a lot of uh, a lot of advice, and a lot of talking points there. But um, allow me to to kind of summarize it and correct me if I'm wrong. So you're saying the advice really for people that have you know small management companies. Your advice is you know make sure that you know what your goal is. Do you want to sell or do you want to grow into a large property manager? And also look at uh, all the tasks that you're performing and ask yourself like, hey, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to micromanage this business or should I hire people to take over all those tasks, which allows me to free up time to focus on more of the high level uh, business task, right? Like uh, business acquisition. Correct, like getting more supply, you know, con- you know, managing the quality of cleaning and guest experience and, and really do tasks where you add value to your business. Right. And then the last thing you mentioned was be selective. And I think this is something that's really important because I I think uh, over the years, what I've seen from people in my community that started to manage other people's businesses, and oftentimes these were people that were first just renting out their own place and then their friends would ask them like, hey, what are you doing with your with your home? Like you're renting it out on Airbnb. It sounds interesting. Would you want to manage my unit? And that's how a lot of people I think have Correct. grown yeah. into, you know, 10, 15, 20 properties. And what I've seen is that uh, people typically would kind of take on whatever they could get. Because I think a couple of years ago, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this as well. A couple of years ago, because the market was growing so fast, it was almost like you could take any property, just put it on yeah. Airbnb and it would make money, right? But that's yeah. not the case anymore. And so, you know, the other advice that, that I take from what you were saying is like, be selective. You know, don't go for all properties, just go for the ones that make sense for your business. Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately, this is the most important piece, Jasper. I mean, we, as you said, I gave you a lot of information points that we can uh, go deeper on individually, but I think this is one of the absolute keys. This is, this is interesting. This is what I saw at Interhome in 2005. I was amazed by the type of qualities I had of inventory where, you know, you wouldn't even let your, I don't know, your house cat sleep there, literally. And it's a myth to think that, you, you know, it doesn't matter which unit you have, it will generate revenue. That's a myth. It might create gener- revenue, maybe one or two week reservations, but it will generate more costs than it does revenue. And hassles on top with complaints and doing paybacks and having claims on, on, on bad experiences. And it will, it will tarnish your reviews. So I think this is very important. But secondly, I think this is more important, even though, is we're starting to in this industry, starting to address new guests. So in the past, we, we sort of had, you know, two type of guests. We had the classical hotel guests, which was close to 70, 80% uh, 10 years back. And then we had the classical vacation rental guests, 20 to 30%. They said, look, we have a family. We, we don't go to hotels. We go to vacation rental. It's easier, it's cheaper, and it's more convenient. Now, since SDR came into play, so, the, so we're talking more urban, short-term rentals, it changed because it all of a sudden attracted a different guest. And now we're starting to address more, we're starting to address a more classical hotel type guest. And they, a hotel type guest has different expectations to a product than a former vacation rental guest has. You know, he was maybe more easygoing. He brought his own food. He was used to the, the shortcomings of, of an individual property or private property. But now we're addressing guests through new channels as well. Like let's say new OTAs, Expedia, Booking.com, and they attract guests 
they don't know what to expect and, and they're hotel guests. So they have a totally different expectation when they come to a property and therefore they have higher standards and you need to meet those. And obviously your product is your, I say not your single biggest asset, but it's your most important asset is your property. And then the second most important asset is, is cleanliness and good guest experience and, and seamless transaction. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of the smaller ones are challenged with because the guest expectations are getting higher and they will not go lower over time because, you know, as quality pushes up of the product, you need to go with it because otherwise you will start having, you know, worse reviews and therefore your business will suffer from it. So you're saying guest expectations are growing up. Obviously, the market is getting more competitive. Property managers are becoming more professional. They're becoming larger and it's a trend that's going to continue. So my question would be, how can you compete in that environment? How do you stand out? Like, let's say somebody who wants to start right <laughs> now, they want to enter this business. How can these people compete? How can they stand out if they have to compete with these professional managers with high expectations of guests and with plenty of supply in their neighborhoods? Look, I think there is still a lot, uh, enough room up there to increase professionalism. I mean, yes, we call them professionally. Manager doesn't mean they're professional, number one. So, you know, we've talked about this in our industry for years now that we need to lift the bar. We have to become more professional. And I'm always amazed when I work with some of our, our customers, we consult and, and advise. I'm, I'm amazed how, you know, there's still very low hanging fruits in improving quality and improving the guest experience. I think we still have a lot of air to even manage the competitiveness and of these, let's say, larger professional management companies. And, and interesting enough, I said before, you know, this business remains hyper-local, so it doesn't mean that a Casa or any other large property manager will do a better job. Actually, it's the opposite because scaling this business is super tough because the action happens on a unit level and not on 20,000 properties. It doesn't matter how many properties you have on board. It's how you execute on the local level. That's where the difference is, number one. Number two, what I would highly recommend uh, to any property manager and even a smaller one, make sure you spend at least you know, two or three days in each property yourself. Live there. Experience it. I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm amazed what difference you can make. You know, if, if you, know, you rent a unit, I had this example at the Vacation Rental World Summit in Como, and it started to rain outside. So the first thing you do as a guest, you look for an umbrella, right? If a host has never stayed in his own property when it was raining, there was not going to be an umbrella in this property. If he has never cooked in the property, there will not be any you know, sharp knife or good utilities in the property because he's never experienced his own property. There's like four glasses, four forks, four spoons, nothing worse than that. So, and this doesn't cost a lot and doesn't do a lot, but it actually has a massive impact in raising the professionalism. Having a hairdryer with a long enough cord that you can actually see yourself in the mirror. I've experienced that before where the cord wouldn't go all the way to the mirror. Not a good experience. If you don't live there and experience the product yourself, you will never find out small details, which makes the big difference on having a good guest experience and therefore a good review. And that goes with the umbrella. That goes with other small things. And, you know, after you use like three coffee spoons, you have to wash them up again because there's no more there. Even if it's a property for six or seven people, there's six classes, uh, small ones, big ones. And that's just not a good experience. So it's, it's the small things where I still believe there's a lot of air to improve the overall quality of a property and, and not just over, you know, amazing interiors and, you know, absolutely top-notch locations. I mean, there's, yeah, there's competition out there. But I think even 
with a smaller, you know, less high quality property, you, you can still deliver a good guest experience if you actually experience it yourself. So that's really, really good news for the small hosts, because even though, as we talked about, the guest expectations go up, the market's getting competitive, and you know, there's larger and larger share of the inventory get managed by, by professional property managers. But by being small, we can stand out because we can create a personal, unique experience for our guests that the property managers can't skill, right? And so that's, a, that's good news for us as small hosts, isn't it? No, it, it absolutely is. And as I once, I repeat myself, you know, make the little things make the big difference. You know, a card on arrival with a personal note, hey, Simon, great you're staying with us. Call me if there's an issue. I mean, you just feel amazing when you get there, right? And that doesn't take a lot and it's not costly. I think one thing you, you know, we have here a contradiction here. And yes, it's great news for the smaller property managers and the smaller hosts, for sure. But the margin compression that we're facing and the competitiveness means that you need more units in, in order to have the same economics. And this is where we're going to be challenged with. So in, in, in order, you know, commissions go up, Airbnb is changing the commission model, booking.com is high commission. We're, we're having more and more dependence on the large channels, which puts an amazing amount of pressure on any, on any, on any property manager. And therefore, you, you're actually forced to scale your business larger because you need to compete with margin compression, with higher costs, with competition from the market. And that obviously is something you need to balance. Awesome. This is really good stuff. But we've been talking for a while and I know you have other things to do as well. Uh, so I want to be <laughs> respectful to your time. But I did want to ask you just a couple of questions and you can, you can just give a very short answer to this. But there's a couple of things that you know, people kind of talk about in the industry, right? One of them is, will Airbnb go public in 2020? Well, I presume so. I mean, all the signs clearly show that they will. You know, I think one thing that it was interesting was this Hotel Tonight acquisition. And strategically, it made a ton of sense because the booking window of individual guests are shortening and therefore they don't want to miss out on not providing them a solution. If, if an Airbnb is too short notice, they can, they can sell hotels. So this has driven additional value. So we probably will see one or two more acquisitions, maybe even in the transportation vertical like flights to underline the value more and then to leverage the existing customer base of, of Airbnb. But I think the signs that we're seeing is that the IPO is coming in 2020. How is it going to impact our industry? It's too hard to say at this stage. What are your thoughts on Airbnb's vision and ambition to be a travel company and to add significant revenue streams from non-home sharing activities such as trips, experiences, restaurants, etc.? It's not going to happen. I mean, you know, when you see what they have executed so far and how successful they've been with some of these amazing ideas, I think the results are to be questioned and therefore they are now sitting on a particular brand with a proposition in the customer's head. But I don't, I don't think Airbnb has the power to actually become more like an OTA than it is a marketplace for uh, short-term rentals. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And why do you think they went into these sort of non-core business areas? Was it pure to be more attractive for investors? Yeah, I think it's both. It's it's definitely pressure from current investors to say, hey, you know, we can materialize and utilize and leverage our existing customer base. 
so we can add more products. So today we're selling books, Amazon, and a decade later, it's, you know, it's the largest tech company in the world. But I think in this particular vertical, it's, it's, it's going to be a bit challenging. I think it's both. So it's pressure from current investors and second, thinking we can leverage uh, our customer and sell them other stuff than what they're using from. But if you look for a property, you go to Airbnb. If you're looking for a flight, you probably go to booking.com or a, or a kayak or a meta search or you go on Google. Last uh, question. Which OTA do you think will have the most number of nights stayed in 2025? In short-term rentals or in, uh, in, in yes. hospitality as a whole? Well, let's do both. <laughs> Well, I think in short-term rental, it's Airbnb, and it's uh, on, a, on a hospitality basis, it's Booking.com. Awesome. Simon, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been super interesting to, uh, to discuss all these topics with you, and um, I'd love to talk for another hour. But uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll have time to chat in, uh, in Colombia in January at the Short-Term Rental Legends event. So I'm excited to see you there, excited to spend time there with you. Any final words for the audience before we let you go? No, absolutely. I mean, first of all, thank you, Jasper, for your time and for your interest. And as we have realized, we'll, we could uh, speak for another few hours and, and, and drill on some of the topics. I think overall, it's a fantastic and energizing space to be in. There's lots of opportunities, but there's many challenges to navigate. And I think now it's, it's very important to making the right decision. I would start with technology, then look at supply, be smart about it. And demand is one of the lesser problems that we have. So focus on, on supply, guest experience, and good quality properties. And then, then I think you're off for a sound 2020. And in that regard, I'm looking forward to meet everybody at STR Legends in Cartagena, who's going to come, and all the others. I, I wish a wonderful festive season and only the best good health and success with their businesses in 2020. And one thing that we haven't talked about much is technology. I would love to do another podcast interview with you live from Cartagena in Colombia, actually, if you're up for it. Absolutely. If we do that before the drinks, I'm all in. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure we do that. Uh, Simon, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I wish you happy holidays and uh, excited to see you in Colombia. To the listeners, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. And of course, any questions, you can email at jasper at getpaidforyourpad.com. And uh, through Christmas and New Year's, we're, we're not going to stop. We're going to have a, a new episode every week. Um, so we'll see you there. Thank you so much. All the best. Bye-bye. Get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet.